Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, the Alpha and the Omega, Jesus Christ. My brothers and sisters, my wife and I welcomed our second son into the world pretty recently, and when we did, we had to accept a few changes around the house. One was a change to our family schedule, because now we have to accommodate for baby Lewis's need to feed. But here's the thing about newborns. Their stomachs are not very big. So while it doesn't take that long for Lewis to get full, it doesn't take that long before he's got to eat again. How foolish we would be if we fed Lewis once in the morning and said, all right, let's go about our business for the rest of the day. He's good. I'm looking out at a bunch of people who are slightly older than newborns. Isn't this the truth for us too? Doesn't matter how big, how satisfying, how wonderful a meal you have, give it two to four hours, you're going to be hungry again. That's what happened with the crowd in our lesson for today. You see, Jesus had just done something amazing. Jesus had just taken five loaves of bread and two fish, enough to feed, I don't know, three to five people, and he stretched it in order that it fed 5,000 men. We say men because in Jesus' day, that was who you counted. That was the head of the household when you made a head count. So let's assume, for argument's sake, that each of those men had a wife and the national average of children, two kids. That means that Jesus took five loaves and two fish and fed the same number of people that are currently enrolled at UTEP. 20,000. There is no explanation for how this was possible except for that Jesus has access to some kind of special power. Jesus has to be some kind of special guy if he can bend the laws of physics themselves and take a finite resource and stretch it so that it feeds many more people than it's supposed to. So you can understand why these people want to see Jesus again. See, after Jesus had fed them all this bread and fish, he stood, stood there a while teaching them and sharing the word with them. But then it was time to go. The sun was going down, and he crossed the Sea of Galilee to find a nice place to rest. But these people, they wanted to see Jesus. They wanted to stick with him. So they book it around the Sea of Galilee and across by boat. And they catch up to him, and that makes sense that they would want to stick with him. But what makes a little less sense is their attitude when they do catch up with him. Did you catch that? Because our lesson says, Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi! When did you get here? When did you get here? I don't know about you, but that rings a little disrespectful, doesn't it? To me, it sounds like what a mom says to their kid at Target when they sneak away. When did you get to the toy aisle? 
These people say to Jesus, Rabbi, teacher, leader, good guy, why are you running away from us? We have big plans for you. We have intentions for you. We've got more questions for you. We're not done with you yet, Jesus. But just like Jesus, who can see through us all and see straight into our hearts and discern our thoughts and our intentions, our hopes and our dreams, whether they are good or bad, Jesus is on to these people. And he shows it. He says, very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Jesus is on to these people. He knows that their thoughts, that their intentions for him are not right. He knows that they have a selfish view of who the Savior should be. He knows that these people have their expectations of the Messiah written in stone, and now they want to start their interview. Question one, can you keep giving us free lunch? Question two, maybe you can do something about these Romans over here who are oppressing us, who are ruling over us. Maybe Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, if that is who you are, maybe you can make us into an independent nation again. The problem is, those are temporary situations. So what's on your Savior checklist what are your expectations of Jesus? What are the one to two to three things you are really looking for Jesus to solve in your life? Because Jesus wants us to realize, just like he wanted the crowd to realize that day, that whatever it is, it is too small. You gotta dream bigger. How many people are wishing, hoping, wanting to win the lottery every year? How many people have bought into the idea that if I can win the jackpot, all my problems will stop? I will be free from every worry that I currently suffer from. But you know what the reality is? 70% of lottery winners spend their entire earnings within five years. 70% of people who get the thing that they've been wanting so badly see it leave them just a little bit more slowly than it came. And then where are they at? You see, if you're looking for Jesus to multiply you some more bread and some more fish, if you're looking for Jesus to kick out the Romans and make you into an independent nation again, these are temporary problems. Eat a little bit of bread, eat a little bit of fish, you'll be hungry again. Kick out the Romans, and anyone who knows the history of Palestine and Jesus' day knows that another nation would just come in and cause them just as much problems, if not more. No, dear Christian, we got to dream bigger, because Jesus is here to give you more than you're ready to get. He's here to give you bread from heaven. 
flash back to the Old Testament lesson. The Israelites step out of their tents and they see all this white stuff on the ground and they ask, what is it? See, the Israelites had just been complaining because they remembered the days, they're salivating as they remember the pots of meat that they sat around and the garlic and the chives, they ate like kings. It was so wonderful and now things are terrible. You notice they're leaving out one key detail, that when the Israelites were in Egypt, they were slaves, they were oppressed, they were suffering. But all they can think about is the food. So God gives them what they're asking for and more. They're asking for something to eat that's more interesting. They're asking for some sort of exotic meal, and God gives them the most exotic meal they've ever seen because it doesn't exist on earth. It comes from heaven. And so God rains down this white stuff that looks like coriander seed and that is so sweet to the taste. And the Israelites step out of their tents and they say, ma-na, which is Hebrew for what is it? Manna. And they remember every day that they see the manna on the desert floor that God provides. But God provides in the way he wills. That God provides more than you think you need. That God is here to see to your eternal needs, your eternal problems, not just the two or three issues you have at the front of your mind right now. You see, brothers and sisters, in our limited understanding, we carve out a little chunk of our lives and we say, God, if you can take care of that, then I'll be good. If you can see to these couple things that I need solved, then I will be okay. If you kick out the Romans or if you multiply bread and fish, then I'll be all right. But God says, no, that's not how it's going to work. I want the whole enchilada. I will not be satisfied just solving a couple of your problems. I will not stop until your eternal problem is solved. I'm here to give you bread from heaven that saves for eternity. Because this is how God works. He doesn't just come in and fix and then leave until you have another problem. No, he sends Jesus to wrap you up in his grace, to do something about the sin that was plaguing you. He sends Jesus to solve the, a problem of your spiritual defeat and change it into victory in Christ through his death on the cross and his rising from the grave. God has given you bread from heaven, and you don't have to worry about hungering again. Jesus came once, he died once, he rose once, and that means an eternal victory for you that can never be taken away, that will never perish, spoil, or fade. He has given you a new self, as we heard in our epistle lesson, a new self that can never be taken from you. Your identity is in Christ the bread from heaven. And because you have come to him through faith, you will never hunger again. You will never thirst again in Christ. Brothers and sisters, don't make the mistake that this crowd made. Their expectations of Jesus were super high. Kick out the Romans, give us more bread and more fish. And yet they weren't high enough. 
because Jesus is here to give you so much more than you're even ready to get. He's here to give you the love and forgiveness that you didn't even ask for, but that's okay, because he loved you and wanted to save you since before you were even born. Since before the creation of the world, Jesus planned on dying on that cross for you. And he did it before you could utter a word to say, I'm sorry, or to ask him to save you. That's how much Jesus loves you. And because Jesus has done that for you, it's not going to go away. It's not like a sickness that you recover from only to get sick again later on. It's not like a meal you eat once and then two to four hours later you're hungry again. No, Jesus' forgiveness, Jesus' salvation is once and for all, for all eternity, never to be taken from you, and it's who you are now, a forgiven child of God. You have the bread of life in Christ. Hold on to it, because in Jesus, you have no need to look for anything else. Amen.